It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Good morning and welcome into a numbers game here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Gil Alexander on vacation. Crew behind the glass does not think it's well-deserved, so we will not say that it is. But he's on vacation nonetheless. Jonathan Von Tobel with you, of course, throughout this entire week. And next week as well. Five more days of JBT here on the Numbers Game. We have a good show on tap today. Paul Sporer is going to be with us in a little under five minutes from now. A lot to get to in the world of Major League Baseball. I have a pitcher that is annoying the hell out of me in terms of the numbers that he continues to put up. And yet, skates by with success. So we'll talk about Paul about that. Andy McNeil, bottom of this hour. He and I talking last night a lot about the Vegas Golden Knights who have now been forced into a game seven after blowing yet another 3-1 series lead in their history. Well, the offensive uh, shot selection is not going to do it for them. We'll see what Andy thinks about that. Andy Bailey, next hour, it is an Andy-filled show and a show filled with men whose names start with the letter A because Adam Hill of the Las Vegas Review-Journal will be with us too. Covers the Vegas Golden Knights because, of course, they do have that Game 7 coming up tomorrow against Minnesota. And if Wes, who is on his way to the Indy 500, can make it, he will be with us. Uh, of all, I think Human says it perfectly. Of all the places in the world that Wes Reynolds could go on vacation, he chooses Indiana for some reason. I guess he's from there and he he loves his home state. All right, but a lot to get to. Let's recap a little bit about last night in the NBA. A really fun night. Touch on a couple of things that we saw. And I wanted to start with Washington and Philadelphia because, again, it might sound a little ad nauseum. Like we're talking about the same thing over and over again. But I think it's very important to harp on, you know, using what we talked about throughout this entire week, which was counting on sustainability for a lot of these teams and what you're going to see. What is sustainable and what is not? So the Washington Wizards and the Philadelphia 76ers. 76ers come out last night as an eight-point favorite. Total 229.5. Your final scores. The Philadelphia 76ers take care of business in non-garbage time, according to Cleaning the Glass, an offensive rating for the Philadelphia 76ers of 128.8. But what was the big thing we talked about yesterday, right? In terms of sustainability, the Washington Wizards and their offensive output were pretty nuts against the Philadelphia 76ers in the first game. At the rim, they had a lot of attempts within four feet of the basket. They ended up in the first game having about 27 attempts within four feet of the basket, 28. Figured the sustainability in terms of frequency of shots at the rim was going to sh- shut down. Now, they're a very good rim shooting team, so maybe the percentage can kind of keep up on a shorter sample size of shots. And sure enough, yesterday, only 20 attempts within four feet of the basket in non-garbage time for the Washington Wizards. But really, the offensive output just really 
really gets cut in half for the most part. Uh, 102.5, the offensive rating for the Washington Wizards. Again, in the non-garbage time minutes against Philadelphia. This, this offense it seemed like was not going to be able to stay in the output that they had, of course, against Philadelphia in game one. This is one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. This was the second best team in terms of defensive efficiency in the NBA in the second half. And the way that they were generating their offense just didn't seem like something that was going to carry over into game two. Thus, a total that seemed relatively high, potentially looking to go under. The market did, and sure enough, the game goes under. And the Philadelphia 76ers cover a large number of eight at home against Washington. So again, as we look at this going forward, it was a really good performance for Washington in game one. But you're always really looking at how are teams generating what they're doing, and is it sustainable going forward into the next contest? And there you can find your spots. And we have seen so far a couple of games, or it can be a couple of series, right? Milwaukee and Denver, and then, of course, now the Philly-Washington that in game one, some performance is really sustainable. And then in game two, the other team bounces back with a cover and sometimes a victory. Uh, by the way, put succinctly here by Irvin Magic Johnson last night. I mean, I don't know where you get, I don't know why you listen to shows over in VSIN. The Sixers, a much better team than the Wizards, and should sweep them this series. So we really do love the inside from Magic. Uh, I don't know how I could put that any better than what he did at this point right now. And really, we should probably just give him the show. At this point, we should also point out that in this game, Ben Simmons had a very good one. But how about this game seven or excuse me, a seven game playoff series game three and game five. Always the two most important games. Very much appreciated. Very much appreciated, Magic. Uh, I would not be able to figure that out without you. But let's throw up one more because this is very important because it's funny. I, I was tweeting about Julius Randle, right? Because Knicks fans and everything were going crazy about it last night. We want to punt on Julius Randle. It was the same thing with Ben, ben Simmons after game one in that series, right, of Philly and Washington. There was a lot of, how are you going to win this series with somebody like this, right? In terms of Ben Simmons not being able to score, the refusal to shoot again was coming up. I think they're fine. ESPN stats and info, Ben Simmons, first 76ers player over the last 25 seasons to record multiple playoff halves with at least 15 points, five rebounds, five assists, 16, six, and six in the first half last night. He also achieved the feat in game two of the 2019 Eastern Conference Finals. There's a pretty big gap between Washington and Philly, and we'll get to New York and Atlanta a little bit later in the show. Uh, I was very much called a Knicks hater last night because uh, I just think that there's a lot pointing to the fact that Atlanta's going to win this series, especially now that it's heading back home. I don't know if people really grasp like splitting games at home in a playoff series pretty important in terms of winning that bad boy it's jonathan montobo here on a numbers game on visa the sports betting network visa.com the visa app fubo sling game plus iheart radio all the spots where you can take in this wonderful program we're live from the south point hotel and casino let's bring in paul Sporer, writer podcaster fan grass where you can find the work as well uh, twitch paul thank you for the time so actually i want to start with this because i was going through your twitter account and uh it was in a creepy fashion i was actually looking up some stuff and but i have no to tell problem. you dude Give me some tips on MLB The Show, please. Like, because what's, you know, what's nuts is, like, Jared Walsh, I'm an Angels fan, right? So I have a franchise with the Angels. I'm batting like 198 with Mike Trout, but Walsh is killing. He's batting like 320. We already got like six home runs. What's going on here? I need some tips with the hitting. So I, I got to tell you, the, the Jared Walsh card dating back to last year just plays remarkably well. It doesn't really matter what his ratings are. There's certain guys whose swings. Uh, translate very well, even if their ratings aren't great. Jared Walsh is definitely one of them. My guess, without having seen you play yet, is that uh, you're not patient enough. That's Whenever anybody has trouble with hitting, the one thing I say is you're probably not patient enough. You need to get in some deeper counts. You will be rewarded with better pitches to hit. So I would tell you to just build up some pitch counts. Where are you at in the fifth, sixth inning of a game? Are they still in, uh, you know, 40, 50 pitch range? If so, you're not you're not you're not seeing enough pitches. You got you got to treat it like a real game. You can't be uh, 40 pitches deep in the seventh inning, or else you're going to be in trouble. I feel personally attacked. Uh, the other night, <laughs> Lance Lynn, I would think it was like in the seventh inning on like 60 pitches, and he had like 13 strikeouts. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> I've been there. Listen, everybody has to go through it. Like even the best players, they take like a week off for a vacation. They come back, they look mortal. So. Um, everyone has to kind of build up. It's probably the hardest thing to do in a video game, just as they say it's the hardest thing to do in sports, which is hit a baseball. Uh, so you need practice. But like I said, just be patient. Getting some two-strike counts on purpose, just put the controller on your lap, 
you know, start to get better there as you get deeper in the counts. By the way, can I just say, too, because you mentioned how hard it is to hit a baseball, and, you know, you always talk about it, right? Like, even the best hitters, if you're hitting 300, you're failing, you know, seven out of ten times. Yeah. Uh, when you're playing baseball, like, so quick and rapidly, like, I just press X and you're going to the next at-bat, the amount of failure you have to take in as an MLB The Show player, it, it's it's mind-numbing. My it's wife, every time, is like, you all right? You can get it? And I'm like, like I'm okay. I don't know if I could do it, though. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I, re- I really am. You know, I'll, I'll be playing in a given night, and on stream and rolling all these players who I'm better than. Then I'll run into somebody who's markedly better than me. And you can't get a pitch over. Like they hit everything and it's maddening. And you just take your beating and you move on is basically what I end up doing. But uh, yeah, patience is the key. Uh, pitching is much better this year, a lot easier to do. Last year was very difficult. So I think we got a good game out for, for 21. But yep. uh, if you have trouble with hitting, I promise patience is the key. Twitch.tv slash four, right? That's right. That's cool. right. I'll be alive tonight and a big one tomorrow. A lot of new content coming out from MLB The Show. I like it. I, I skew a little younger than our hosts here on the network, so I'm a big Twitch guy. So I will uh, I take, in the, I take in the streams every once in a while. You do a good job. Thank you. So let's get to some of the other stuff here. Uh, I want to talk about some of the stuff we saw last night, and we'll spin it forward into some of the guys that we're going to see later today. Uh, let's start over in Oakland. Uh, James Caprillion, fantastic outing yet again here, seven scoreless against Seattle. How real is it what we're seeing with him at this point right now? Because if you look at some of the fan graphs numbers, like the, I think there's some room for some regression, but you kind of like what you see, right? Absolutely. You have to remember that he was a big-time first-round pick for the Yankees years ago. Uh, injuries really derailed him, but even even in the trade that he was in, you know, he was expected to be a piece and 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 be somebody that could really contribute. So the A's have something here. He is still, you know, he's 27, so it's been a while since he's really been able to get going. He's been a bit forgotten, but now we're seeing why there was some hype with him. Uh, he's off to a fast start. I agree with you. There's definitely going to be some regression on these numbers. He's going to smooth out. He's not going to be a sub-3 ERA guy. But I think he can be a, a mid- to high-3 ERA guy with a good strikeout rate and really give them something. It's all going to come down to the health, as it has so much with Caprillion. But I, I love what I'm seeing here so far, and I really think they've got something. Yeah, 347, fit 44 in the XFIP, so you can kind of see it coming there. Uh, if you're Oakland, do you, do you stick with him? Jesus Lazardo obviously on his way back. Do you think he's earned a spot here at this point? I, I think he absolutely has, and you finagle something else with uh, with Lazardo getting back in. I think Caprillion has certainly earned that opportunity to where if he's healthy, he needs to be out there every every five days. And I know that you know Cole Irvin's pitched pretty well too, and so it is going to be hard to find a spot for Lazardo. That's why they're going to start him off in the bullpen initially. That was the the chatter that we heard is that they're going to bring him back for some multi-inning relief work, and then we'll kind of see what happens. The second that you think you have too much pitching as a team. The baseball gods figure it out for you, usually in a devastating way uh, with injuries. So we'll see how it goes. I don't think Montas is going to come out, Manaya, Bassett. So it's really looking like Irvin, Caprillion, uh, and Lazardo, but it also might be a six-man in that case because they might actually have six legit options. Yeah, Athletics yesterday closed $1.85 favor, get the 6-3 win over the Seattle Mariners. Uh, all right, so I mentioned this when we were teasing your spot here. There was a pitcher out there that that annoys me to no end because if you look at some of the numbers, if you watch him pitch, like, I feel like he's getting away with murder. Uh, are we real stu- really oh. still doing this with John Gant? Like, what's going on it. here? I, I knew like, where you were going right away. Thank you, because like the numbers are insane. You're talking about the ERA at 180, but the FIP over 4, the XFIP over 5, the walk rate's insane. Like, how do we keep doing this i i don't know and in fact it's actually encouraged me i'm going to be writing about him either for today or tomorrow at Fangraphs because i gotta see i gotta know what's going on i actually had planned to watch that game yesterday i got a little bit too busy didn't get a chance to and he go, he goes out and does it again and i was going to get to kind of watch him up close and focus on what's going on doesn't have overpowering stuff either throws 91 like you said the strikeout and walk rates are they're literally awful like a 17 percent strikeout rate is just bad a 15 percent walk rate is impossibly bad this makes no sense and you know a 288 babip isn't even like egregiously low um he's keeping the ball in the yard which is great 0.2 homers per nine i think that's like one or two homers on the year but that alone cannot explain this so i'm gonna deep dive on john gant i have no idea how he's maintaining a sub two era i can tell you this it will not hold that is a stone cold guarantee you don't have to be a stats person to know that but i promise you this will not hold and there will be a lot of uh of comeuppance if you will if these numbers continue and his era will be in the in the mid to high fours for sure if not higher so i'm going to investigate see what's going on uh there has to be some sort of deception that that's working but also some just blind luck because 
you don't keep a sub two ERA with a a one to one strikeout to walk ratio. We also got to take the teammates right. I think was it first inning yesterday he gets the bases loaded and there's a play at the plate that he gets it. You know he gets away with as well. So there are some things that he's getting away with. When you see a guy like regress like this, when there's such, it seems like there's this bubble that's about to burst. Does it come in like one just awful performance, or is it a slow burn where eventually he's just going to pay for it? When it's something like this, it's often that one start where it's nine runs in two innings. And you're like, there it is. The world is right again. And we'll see what happens from here now that his ERA is 480. When it's a guy who's just kind of straddling the line, it doesn't always come all at once. But I think a guy like Gant could really end up getting beat up like two, three times in a row because he's putting on he's putting on so many base runners. That's the thing. His ERA almost matches his whip. This is so <laughs> crazy i'd almost love to hear from him too because like i i hate to like go in on him he's out there having a good time toting a sub two era but in the back of his mind he has to know that he is dodging raindrops right now and that it will come back to get him with these skills so he's going to be one to watch like i said i'm going to dive deeper and figure out exactly what's going on with john gant all right, let's move on. Let's talk about a couple of teams' big picture stuff. First off, Giants hand the D-backs 10th consecutive loss. They've been outscored by 43 runs over the stretch. How bad does this get for Arizona? It's pretty awful right now. You know, a couple of years ago, I was on this network promoting them as a team that I thought was kind of a an interesting wild card, a rising team. They had an interesting core of talent. And now a lot of that has dissipated, and there's not much to like. There's a few guys here and there. Josh Rojas has emerged. Pavin Smith as a young player. Um, but it really is then veterans from there. Cattell Marte, uh, Madison Bumgarner, David Peralta. You start to get into older guys already at that point. So they don't have a great core. They have a pretty young farm system. And now they're in a devastating division that not only has the two powerhouses, San Diego and L.A., that we all know about, but this Giants team has some legitimacy, at least for this year. I don't know that that's necessarily going to affect Arizona down the line, how the Giants are going. But as far as the Giants go, they're going to transition nicely into some of the youth because Farhan Zaidi has built this farm system too. So they've got three teams there. They don't have to worry about the Colorado Rockies. They're probably the worst. They're probably the worst organization in the league, even worse than the Pirates because they just have no direction. Um, so Arizona ha- has that beat. But other than that, it's bleak, not only because of their system and, and setup, but also their division. It's going to get bad. So Toronto's on the road now, and they're a little bit of a road trip. They're going to head back to Buffalo June 1st. We've seen them play there before. So what can we expect? Uh, this is going to be a larger sample size, right, this year in terms of playing at that ballpark. So what can we kind of expect as they head back to a new home? Well, their strength will continue to be yeah. uh, strengthened, if you will. It's the offense with a great offense that they already have and a park that will play up for it. Now, they're starting to get some good pitching. You know, Hunjin Ryu has been great since they got him. Steven Matz showed some great stuff early. He's kind of smoothed out. But if he can maintain a mid-4Z RA, they'll take that. But Robbie Ray has emerged and become a big weapon for them. Really going to be able to see if Ryu and Ray can lead the top of that rotation, even playing half the games in Buffalo. But they are going to be an offense-first team that needs to get enough pitching they also need to start staying healthy in the bullpen you know they built a few things in the bullpen but health has really derailed it with Merriweather Romano and Dolise all getting hurt at different times so they need to figure something out there or else it's going to be difficult for them to compete into October but as it stands right now love the offense and love some of the pitching that's uh, that's going their way right now well let's stick with, well, let's stick with them top prospect Alec Manoa what are we expecting in his major league uh, major league debut today that is going to be really interesting because you have to wonder how how it goes when you get that amped up for the game only to have the come down of it getting postponed because he was supposed to go yesterday and now they're going to go today drawing the yankees on the road is not easy but this is also a neutered yankees ball club so i think we could see something nice from uh from manoa you know like a baseline quality start i know six innings three runs doesn't jump off the page because it's a 450 era but it is legitimately a good start your team is never out of it if you're down even if you're down three nothing so i think we see close to it close to a quality start here five or five or six innings two to four runs, and I think we're going to see some of the strikeouts off the top here. Six to seven strikeouts. I'm excited by Manoa. I think this could be a huge piece for them. He looked great in the minors. If that command that we saw in the minors is real, he's going to be somebody who hits instantly. It may not be. It may have been just an 18-inning blip in AAA because that's his biggest issue as Mm -hmm. command. So that's what I'm going to be focused on. Is he hitting his spots where he wants? It's not so much about limiting walks. It's really about limiting homers and making sure that you're missing 
where you can't get hit too hard. So I'm going to be dialed in on that Manoa start today. I'm really eager to see how it goes. So generally, I think there's going to be a lot of people today that are looking at the card and going, all right, well, top prospect, major league debut. This lineup hasn't seen them yet. Let's fire away. Let's support the Blue Jays. Just the general thought of backing pitchers making their major league debut. I think a lot of pitchers, or excuse me, betters, think that the first time against the lineup, it plays an advantage of the pitcher. But what are your thoughts on that line of thinking like that? It, it, it certainly can, but we've seen just as many guys kind of get overamped. They end up throwing three innings because they're ju- they're throwing three miles above their normal velo, and they're just over the top amped for it. So you never really know how a guy's going to take in the moment, and if they're going to they're going to end up having a shorter start because they just went too too hard with it, or if they kind of have their standard start and really hit the ground running, or if they just get flat out blown up. It is game two of of the no header uh, of the no excuse me, it is game one of the double header. So maybe they give them a little bit of an easier lineup, and then the the nightcap has the better lineup. That could help him as well. It's not a surefire thing, though. I'd definitely be careful because Domingo Herman is going for the for the Blue Jays. They could shut the that Blue Jays lineup down a little bit. So it's not it's not a guarantee. If it's a big enough number, I can get on Toronto with Manoa. But I think that's too much of a toss up to have any sort of certainty with how rookie pitchers usually pitch. All right, let's go to the West Coast for a couple of these other games. First off, uh, we'll start with the star of the evening. Again, I'm an Angels guy, but Shohei Otani is at the center of baseball universe. Uh, but last time we saw him, right, velocity was down like uh, big time. They didn't say he was in. <laughs> Injury related. Right. So, like, if they're really going to pimp this, hey, it's not injury related and we're going to throw them out here again. Like, if you're backing the Angels, if you're looking at this, you got to be concerned because it's not like a one, two mile an hour. It was like five miles an hour on some of those yeah. pitches. No, it, it was terrifying. But I was in, encouraged by the fact that he kept pitching and we didn't get any news afterwards. And I don't know why they would you know, hide it or, or not be straightforward about the fact if if something was wrong. And, of course, they certainly wouldn't bring him out five days later. So I am encouraged by that, even though it was terrifying in the moment, thinking like, oh, gosh, here we go again. He's down four or five miles an hour. He's going to be out and toast. Turns out, no, he labored through it. He was just down. So we'll see. Obviously, everyone's going to be keyed in on the on the velocity uh, on the screen today when we watch him against Oakland. But uh, the fact that the Angels haven't done anything with it, has me at least a bit encouraged that maybe it was just a blip and not the end of the world for Otani. I'm really excited for that matchup, too, because Bassett's really good. They could end up having a really nice pitcher's duel tonight with Otani and Bassett. Yeah, right now, Angels uh, plus 140. You're getting Athletics at minus 150. Total 7.5 shaded to the over at minus 115. Yeah, that's going to be one to watch just given Otani and his star nature, but the fact that when we saw him last time, the velocity was shocking how low that was at that point. Uh, all right, a couple of things before we get you out of here. Actually, I'll throw one more thing at you before we get you out of here. So I always like, you know, when it comes to my baseball betting, always like to look at the, the numbers of fan graphs, try to find some room for some positive regression for guys, or like John Gant, some regression coming at some point, even though it hasn't yet. Herman Marquez is a guy I've circled that I think Sometimes his numbers indicate that he's pitching a little bit better than really like a classic ERA would show. He gets the thin New York Mets lineup today in one of the games with their doubleheader. Am I on the right track thinking Marquez is pitching a little bit better than some would think? And certainly so on the road too, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, mixing, f- fixing his issues uh, at home and having to deal with Coors at the same time is not easy. But yeah, when you look at what Marquez is doing with his core skills, the walks have been the biggest issue, and that's been a little bit scary because usually he can maintain his walks. So that's something I'm keyed in on, but his last couple starts, he's really started to turn it around, even while walking two, three batters. So I think he can handle this Mets lineup, and even if he does give them a free few passes, I don't know that they're necessarily going to take advantage of it. So I definitely like him here. I'd still be careful with him anywhere near Coors Field, but in City Field against this anemic Mets in a morning start, give me Marquez and the, and the Rockies for sure because I think they're they're a dog as well. Yep, from a plus 120 at least here at the Southway. Paul, awesome conversation. I really appreciate it. Uh, for people who don't know, but they probably should, where can they uh, find all your work? Thank you so much for having me on twitch.tv slash spore and twitter.com slash spores where you can find me all my baseball stuff all the time. Take it easy, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We come back and man, that was good. Uh, we'll have a lot more conversation about the show throughout this. No, uh, nobody wants to hear about my video game habits, but when we do come back, we'll talk a little bit more. We have a lot to get to. I think this is fascinating, right? These series are playing right out in the NBA. Well, guess what? We're starting to see the home court get factored into a lot of these lines. We could discuss that. The, Atlanta, New York series is absolutely fascinating. And remember, later in this hour, too, Andy McNeil is going to be with us to discuss everything in the world of the National Hockey League. It's a numbers game here on VSIN.
Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddy makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. With basketball, hockey, and baseball games every week, it's time to get into BetMGM Sports Nevada, premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever the sport, wherever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Got to be 21 or older, physically located in Nevada. Please gamble Responsibly, it's Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Gil Alexander. Um, so sometimes I will, you know, kind of steer into the bit a little on social media. Uh, I do enjoy the moniker that I've become a Knicks hater over the last couple. Of years. Nobody was a bigger Julius Randle supporter than me over the last like two, three months of the season. But now that that's out of the picture and we're all good there, he's got his award. I have turned on the Knicks uh, because I have a series bet on the Atlanta Hawks. 
So you might find more of a sarcastic approach from me when it comes to the Knickerbockers in their series against the Atlanta Hawks. But I, I think there is some interest. This is a very fascinating series, obviously. Last night, the New York Knicks get a very big win in Game 2, 101-92 over the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, the Knicks still struggle offensively right in this game, but they do win, cover as a 2.5-point favorite. Game goes well under the total of 213.5. Offensive rating for the New York Knicks, 101. But the more important part is that the Hawks had an offensive rating of under a point per possession at 92. So, as we move forward to Atlanta, right, the two games that we will play be, that will be played, uh, and by the way, in front of a full-capacity crowd. So, this was essentially a full-capacity crowd for New York. 15,000 were allowed. I think uh, MSG holds 19K, 20K, something like that. Uh, so, you're going to get a full-capacity crowd for Atlanta when they come back home for their two games against the New York Knicks. But I was on a little bit earlier today uh, with Matt Humans and Mitch Moss on Follow the Money. And we were kind of discussing the series. And Humans had mentioned that he, going back to Atlanta now, had a small series bet on the Hawks going forward. And, and I think when you go into this series now on the road for the Knicks, I just think that there's a few things here that point in the favor of the Atlanta Hawks, right? We can go to the fourth quarter, where down the stretch, the Hawks were missing every single shot, didn't score a point down the stretch, right? It, it was a very poor shooting performance for the Atlanta Hawks, especially in this game overall, right? At the beginning of the game, offense was absolutely fantastic in the first half, but you end up as a team just shooting 27.9% from three, 12 of 43 on those attempts. You don't get much within four feet of the basket. But here's the thing. Throughout these two games, again, going back to the tracking data, and my overall kind of issue with the Knicks defensively, right? They're a very solid, good defensive team. There's no denying that. But in the regular season, they give up the third most wide open looks of any team, right? Especially from beyond the arc, third most wide open looks from beyond the arc, no defender within six feet or more. And in this series against the Atlanta Hawks, they have continued to do that defensively. Down the stretch, just anecdotally, you can count in that fourth quarter at least four wide-open attempts that weren't hit by the Atlanta Hawks in that game. Trey Young was generating open look after open look. He commands so much attention on those pick-and-rolls when he goes into the paint that he sucks in these defenses, and it creates open looks for DeAndre Hunter, who missed back-to-back wide-open threes, right? Who creates open looks for Danilo Gallinari, who has not been good in this series whatsoever from a shooting standpoint. And so now... As we move forward to New York, I don't enjoy being called a Knicks hater, but I just feel like when you go into this road situation now for the Knicks on the road against Atlanta, I have a team that in terms of their starting lineups, Trey Young on the floor last night was absolutely brilliant. When he was off the floor, they go on that massive run in the third quarter that eventually makes the difference between these two teams. You're asking Derrick Rose to essentially play about 40 minutes a game coming off of the bench, which don't know if that's sustainable on top of the fact that, and look, I said this yesterday and it still came to fruition. I didn't think that the Knicks bench would be able to score 50 plus points a game. And yet they did it again yesterday. So that's something to track. And maybe there is this massive edge between the bench, the bench units, right? Between these two clubs, especially if Gallinari is going to continue to play that way. But again, in this series, through two games, the Knicks, according to the NBA's tracking data, the second most wide-open looks of the playoff teams up to this point, very short sample size, but still, what makes you worry, I think, if you're a Knicks fan or if you're looking at this series from the perspective of who's got something that is a little bit more sustainable going forward, it's the fact that the Knicks are still giving up those wide-open looks from beyond the arc. And the thing that is a big difference here is, if you look down the stretch, were the Hawks hitting those open looks? No, we saw them miss them. But overall, through this series, through two games, the Hawks are shooting 40% on those wide open looks. And so again, as you look over the course of the regular season, which we saw from this New York Knicks team giving up the third most wide open looks from three, and this continuing in the postseason through two games, and now you're going on the road for Atlanta, where you'd expect, as we kind of know, right, the role players, it's that general thought that role players tend to play a little bit better at home. The role players and the bench players have been playing much better at New York, right, for the Knicks. Now you go back home where you'd expect a small bounce back in terms of the shooting for Danilo Gallinari and the other role players for the Atlanta Hawks. I just think the Hawks are in a little bit of a better position to win this series. And nothing's changed, right? Like I have the pre-series, uh, uh, excuse me, pre-series bet on the Atlanta Hawks at minus 120. This is just going to show that I just feel still relatively confident that the Hawks are still going to win this series uh, more often than not as this course plays out. So we'll see what the next two games are. Figured this was going to be a six-game series. Haven't really come off of that. You know, Hawks win the next two games, go back to New York, lose one, and then wrap it up when they get back home. Regardless, though, it's going to be a fun series because these are two very, very tightly matched teams in terms of what they can do well. All right, on the other side, we'll get more into the games tonight, talk a little bit about these home court numbers that we're starting to see pop up. And remember, Andy McGill comes in 15.
Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Get replays of all of our shows, including Follow the Money, A Numbers Game, My Guys in the Desert, and Lombardi Line with VEASAN Best Bets. Download Beating the Book with Gil Alexander, who is on vacation. Whether it is deserved or not, we will let you decide. Market Insights is Josh Applebaum, plus Harvard Handicappers. That's with me. Hey, new episode comes out later today, by the way. Long Shots, Gun Racing, and the Ron Flatter Racing Pod, all free, available now at vcin.com slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. So, we're talking a little bit about the Hawks and Knicks series. Yes, being relatively sarcastic in all of our roles here. The Knicks are a very fun and good story. And it was really cool. They do win the weekend and the first few games. The atmosphere has been ruckus, to say the least, over at Madison Square Garden. So let's move on. We have a couple of games tonight as the postseason continues in the association. Very fascinating, too, because we have all three of these series now changing courts, right? Changing venues for the first time. We get the Milwaukee Bucks on the road for game three of their game against, or excuse me, their series against Miami Heat. We get the Suns on the road against the Lakers. And we get Denver on the road against Portland. And you see the changes, right? Because remember, we're in this weird spot now where we're getting the change in venues. We're getting home courts now filling up a little bit more as the year goes on. Uh, we had the report and the statement from the NBA that they expect by the time we get to the end of the postseason that we're at full capacity for every single one of these. So this is going to be fascinating, right? Tracking what these books believe to be worth in terms of home court, right? And you get a little sense of some of these, right? Rolling through them pretty quickly. For example, you know, you get Milwaukee. Minus five and a half in game one, minus four and a half in game two. Miami opens up as a one-point favorite on the road. It has since flipped, but you're talking about a home court, you know, under three points, hovering a little bit closer to two, right? And in favor of this one, this one's pretty interesting because you can make the argument that the power rating on these teams was a little skewed and maybe that Milwaukee was a little low given the gap that we have seen between these two teams through the first two games. But this is one of those situations that we talked about, right? Bucks one and a half here at the South Point, total 225. It's a situation we talked about with Drew Dinsick the other day, and it's one that you're going to hear a lot of. You, uh, you know, Matt Humans uh, and Mitch Moss were talking about this angle and playing on it in this game here. The team, and this was very strong back a few years ago. They actually, and you saw the change, right? The, the team down 2 nothing, going back home, first quarter, first half. A very successful angle, which is why you see some altered numbers for first half and first quarter. For example, in this game, Bucks and Heat, Bucks for the game, minus one and a half. First quarter, first half, Heat are the favorite team at minus one in both of those situations, right? So that's where you're paying a little bit of a price. And while it might not seem like that much, right, for Miami in that regard, like, hey, it's just one in the first half, just one in the first quarter. What's the difference? It's not that bad. Some spots you're laying one and a half, but I do think that when you're looking at it from the perspective of, like, where's the value, right? The V word, there really isn't much value, even though it's only one point, in playing that angle. But as Drew said in our spot the other day, which I completely agree with, if there is one team and one situation in which it might be worth playing it and eating some of that tax that you're looking at here in terms of the number, it would be a team like Miami, right? 18,000 reported tonight in terms of the Miami's, uh, Miami's home crowd. So you're going to get pretty much a full home court, whether that's full home court advantage, we will see. But you're going to get that. You're going to get the fact that out of all of these teams, right, and all of these series, I think one of the bigger coaching mismatches is in this series between an Eric Spolstra and a Mike Budenholzer. And I think Spolstra's got a little bit of an edge regardless of what happened in the first two games. We have a series last year in Orlando that kind of gives you uh, what that difference is in terms of coaching. So you would expect that Miami would come out very well prepared. They were a very strong home team over the last few seasons. So all of that goes into this being a very good spot for Miami in this first quarter, first half type of situation. Now, personally, I think I would rather go with first quarter as opposed to first half because, again, as we talk about what the Bucks do very well, what is sustainable for the Milwaukee Bucks, the ability to score within four feet of the basket, I still think very, it helps them very much, right? And I want to kind of – I don't want more sample size. I don't want more possessions for Milwaukee to kind of work their offense. I think you want the smaller sample size and the ability for a team like Miami to really get off to a really hot start. So, in other words, if I were to play it and think – in general, I think I am going to be on the Heat first quarter minus one – because I do believe that this is a much better situation early on for Miami. Coming back home, shooting the ball much better at home, as all of these teams do, exploiting that Bucks 29th perimeter defense. And so I do think that Milwaukee is in a little bit of a tough spot in the first quarter. As far as the game is concerned, again, as we're talking about four quarters, larger sample size in terms of possessions, the Bucks being able to kind of do what they want on that side of the floor, 
as I mentioned, I do think I might have been wrong in terms of the gap between these two teams. So would it surprise me that after this game is all over with, that the Bucks have a 3-0 series lead? No, but I'm not going to play this to play this entire game. This will be one in terms of see how this game is going in the middle of it. If that first quarter angle does indeed work and that the Heat are going to cover that first quarter, that would leave an opportunity for betters then to come in game and get something a little bit better on the Bucks, whether it's a plus one and a half, two, whatever it is uh, for the game itself. So keep that in mind as you look at this. Very popular angle. If that comes to fruition, Really looking at this from that perspective, you don't really need to lay one and a half because if the Heat come out and win the first quarter, you'll be able to get maybe like a plus one and a half, something a little bit better on the Milwaukee Bucks for the game. But looks like a really good spot for Miami to come out with a really strong start, especially with the way that they've been playing at home over the last two seasons. It's been a very strong angle for them. Now, as far as the other games are concerned, let's go with the nightcap here, Denver and Portland. Portland, four-point favorite now, opened up three and a half. Total depends where you look, 227 and a half or 228. I'm fascinated by this for many reasons, right? One, you look at, again, home court. This is what I find pretty interesting because as we talk about, and this is pretty important, right, about looking at how many guys or gals are going to be available in the stands for a lot of these teams. As far as I can tell, right, Miami, full capacity. Atlanta, when they go back to Atlanta in a couple of days, full capacity. Portland's only at 8,000 in terms of their capacity over there where they play. Uh, is it still the Moda Center? I think it's still the Moda Center. But regardless, 8,000 not nearly a packed house as the others. Is home court being a little overvalued here? But again, talking about what a team is able to consistently do over the course of a series, Portland has shown no ability to stop Denver within four feet of the basket. Portland has shown no ability to play defense whatsoever. So you're getting this home court. I guess it's an advantage, and it's just under two and a half points if you do the math in terms of what Denver was laying in the first game and what we're at now in terms of the Blazers. Wonder if it's a little too strong, and I wonder if we're just discounting how bad this Portland defense is. But what I'm really fascinated to see by this, and I'm, I'm, I haven't bet this yet. If this gets to five, that'll be my buy price. I don't know if it gets that high, though. But regardless, we did get the adjustment from Michael Malone in the Nuggets. We saw Aaron Gordon in that second half, in that third quarter, take up the mantle of defending Damian Lillard, and it helped a lot. Damian Lillard was much, very much quieter in that third quarter and in that fourth quarter. Expect you're going to see that again here in this game. And so how the Portland Trailblazers react. Do you see Damian Lillard off the ball more? Do you get him to get Aaron Gordon trailing by running around screens and getting him to do a little bit more catch and shoot and getting off the bounce? Like those type of things, what the adjustment is going to be here from Portland. We see a little bit more from Aaron Gordon defensively on him. I, I think it's going to be fascinating, but... I just I can't get over the fact that through the first two games of this series, Portland has the third best offensive rating in the postseason, and yet still a net rating of negative four. Like just it's just something that has always turned me off with Portland in the big picture. So we'll see where that number ends up going to. All right, when we come back, we have a lot more to get to. Andy McNeil is finally going to be with us, NHL analyst, points per weekly contributor. Let's discuss a lot of things in the NHL. Of course, BGK. We get a game seven between them and Minnesota. Shot selection, man, it's been a nightmare. And actually, we brought this up with Andy yesterday, right? Smacks of the Vancouver series a year ago where it's just shots from the blue line directly into the chest of the goaltender can you win a series like that against a team like minnesota and you will tell us when we come back and a little bit more with mcneil on a numbers game Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. Join the sports betting excitement with BetMGM, and you can win $100 for a $1 wager on the Lakers or Suns. And if either team hits a three, you win. Just use a bonus code VSIN100 to get in the ring with the king of sports books. Hey, that rhymes. So that you can turn game time into showtime. Simply download the app or go to BetMGM.com for more details. Use a promo code VSIN100, BSIN100. New customer offer, paid and free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Got to be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes. Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, Tennessee. Color text the red line. 800-889 in Indiana. Oh, sorry, I should probably finish that number. 800-889-9789 and in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Nevada, Las Vegas specifically, a scene of chaos out here. Andy McNeil is with us. Our NHL analyst at VEASAN. Andy, I'm getting angry texts from buddies who are big VGK fans. They're angry. I, I actually text my buddy sarcastically, hey, Game 7 watch party. And he said it was supposed to be date night with my wife, but the ref screwed us. What happened last night for the Vegas Golden Knights? I tend to look at shot selection and the way they're playing offensively. What did you see? Yeah, um, I, I tell your buddies to start betting on the Minnesota wild and hedge <laughs> that, that emotion a little bit here, because that's where the value is um, and has been in this series. Uh, and, you know, it took me, uh, I guess all season and, and a lot of money lost uh, in this matchup, betting on the Vegas golden Knights uh, against the Minnesota wild to realize that, that they just don't quite have it against this team. Uh, more often than not. So, you know, I expect a big effort uh, from the Vegas Golden Knights in Game 7, um, and I expect the price to to drive up uh, a lot higher than it is right now, given that, um, you know, we, we saw Minnesota at, at plus 165 the last time they were in Las Vegas. So, 
you know, I think there there there, there will be some some money coming in on on the Golden Knights, and at that point, I'll look to get involved uh, on the Minnesota Wild. Um, but I, I was I was um, you know very very happy with how the Wild played last night. Um, as somebody who who bet on them at plus one twenty, we talked about it on the show, and later on in the day, the the line did get to where I was looking for uh, it to get to. Um, so I, I took that price, but then you know midway through the second period, things were pretty even. There were no injuries. Um, if anything, Minnesota was playing better than I had anticipated, and there were several shops uh, that were offering in-game odds anywhere from plus one thirty to plus one fifty-five. Uh, on the wild and then that just didn't make any sense to me so um i added more uh in game last night and, and came out ahead uh in that respect too so pretty good night uh for wild betters for sure so when you're looking at this uh when we look at game seven overall and like from a tactical standpoint you know i asked you last night when you and i were texting when you look at the way that vegas has been playing and he, you and i actually brought it up right it's almost reminiscent of that vancouver series which is just like all these perimeter shots from the blue line not really getting in the muck here like is that a coaching thing or an, and is it as simple as like let's get some guys in front of the net and let's get some bodies in there to deflect some shots get some rebounds let's get a little dirty here because the vegas seem you know vegas golden knights seem perimeter oriented jump shot oriented to put it in NBA terms for me a simpleton when it comes to hockey yeah um i don't you know i would be guessing if i was putting going to you know put the lay the blame on the, the coaching or the players i guess it would be a combination of both i mean it takes two to tango the the players are the one that the ones that are out there uh and are tasked with executing but the coaches you know draw up the plan i guess but um yeah this this vegas golden Knights team just too much for uh shot selection um, not forcing the issue. They didn't draw a penalty uh, until, you know, pretty much the end of the game last night. Um, and, and you're going to get the calls if you force the issue and, and drive the slot because, you know, teams don't want to let you get close to their net. So they're going to hook and hold and trip and, and do all of those things. And, and, you know, the fact that Vegas hadn't drawn a penalty uh, through most of the game last night, despite having 51 shot attempts, um, you know, only five of them were high danger uh, shot attempts, um, you know, with about five minutes remaining and the game was already pretty much out of reach. So uh, I've never seen a team with this much talent uh, be this averse to risk, uh, specifically offensively. So, I mean, I don't think it was just the Vancouver series last year. I think it was definitely a problem um, when they when they faced off against Chicago, even in the qualifying round. And, and again, or not in the qualifying round, in the first round, and again uh, in the, the conference finals um, against uh, the Dallas Stars. I, I think it was a problem. They just they just don't get to that slot area enough. All right, let's move on to the uh, matchups we will see later this evening. So you came on uh, with us early in the week. We talked about this Montreal-Toronto series, the fact that the market may be a little too low here on the Maple Leafs. We're talking about, what, two games ago, an opener of minus 134. Well, now we're talking about an opener in some spots about minus 230. So the adjustment has been made here for Toronto, who I thought in the last game, Andy, played wonderfully. Like, the puck movement was awesome. They looked like they were skating circles around Montreal. So what's the analysis here on the prices? Now we're looking of upwards of minus 230 in a lot of markets here on Toronto. Toronto at home looking to close out Montreal. Yeah, the 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 Maple Leafs played really well uh, in both uh, games three and four in Montreal, and now the series shifts back to Toronto. So so does the price um, as well. But but it was climbing up to to you know heights of minus one ninety and 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 thereabouts uh, when when they were on the road. So obviously this is sort of expected, but um, definitely have seen some movement to the Canadians, and that's where I would lean. Uh, I'm not necessarily getting involved at this point. Uh, going to wait and you know see see what happens here as far as lineups. There there are a few minor question marks, and you know it's just it's just not a price that I'm I'm rushing to get to here. But at two to one or better, um, it's Canadians or, or nothing for me. Uh, but I definitely expect the the Leafs to you know be the better team, dictate the play, uh, and likely come away with the win tonight. Just I I just don't think they should be. Um, priced quite as high as they are but you know my my line is around minus 200 so not really any value uh, on the canadians 
All right, let's go to Carolina and Nashville. So before we get to this game tonight, my assessment of when they played uh, the other night in Carolina, I, I felt like that was a game that probably should have been a little bit more lopsided in terms of the final score. Not a you know not a win in overtime for Carolina. I thought it was a really weird game in which the Hurricanes outplayed Nashville but came away with a very slight victory in the third game that goes to overtime. Am I correct in my assessment? Like When you look at it statistically, when you look at what they did in that game, I felt like that should have been a game that was a little bit more lopsided in favor of the Hurricanes. Yeah, I mean, the Hurricanes have controlled uh, shot attempts and expected goals at five-on-five in in every single one of the games here, even on the road. Um, The only game that they really had trouble in, and and this was more to do with special teams, uh, was game number three, the first game in Nashville when the Predators um, got their first win in the series. Uh, you know that that was a struggle for the Hurricanes with all the penalties that they they took that game and and the, and that bled over from from games prior and that's you know a problem for this team and then is really going to be a problem for them uh, if they do indeed win this series and base off against the Tampa Bay Lightning and their dangerous power play. Um, but but yeah, you're you're right. The, the Carolina Hurricanes have been the better team. Uh, they've you know dictated the play. They've controlled the the majority of the shot attempts. They they're they're hovering around a fifty six percent expected goals for percentage uh, at five on five um and and you know they they're the team that i would i would prefer to bet on here tonight uh on the road um at a you know a much lesser price than you would expect given that they were minus 200 uh home favorites just just a couple of days ago mm-hmm. uh but i'm i'm just just the way this series has gone i mean there are so few betting opportunities. I'm a little more picky in the playoffs, um, and and I, I I won't mind passing on this one if I don't quite get the price that I I, I like. I, I would I would like to get at least minus one thirty here, um, but you know even a little better than that maybe. And I'm and I'm hoping that 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 comes around. But um, man, it just this this it seems like a, a series in which uh, things just. The Hurricanes just can't quite get going against this Predators team that, in the way that they would like to uh, in Nashville with their goaltending can hang around uh, and make things interesting for sure. Yeah, Hurricanes dollar forty here at the South Point, plus 120 back on the other end with the Predators pregame total 5.5 under minus 135. Uh, all right, we do have a series set for the next round here. New York Islanders, Boston Bruins, Bruins minus 215 over at DraftKings and other spots in terms of the series. So give us a quick breakdown here of the Islanders as they take on Boston. And I, I think a team that they will oppose here, Andy, that might get a little goaltender play than their opponent, the Penguins, in the, the round that they just finished. Yeah, I think that's a safe bet. Um, both um, Tuka Rask and and the backup uh, Jeremy Swayman are, are are you know capable NHL goaltenders. Um, and and this Boston Bruins team is uh, a much different beast than the Penguins, who you know really weren't a very strong team at all this year. Um, the Wild, they'll be a tough opponent. They they really uh, you know send talented players into fits because you know they they make you. Um, they make you really work for your chances. You're, you're not going to get anything easy against a, a team that's coached by by Barry Trotz. Um, I haven't run my numbers uh, for this series yet. I haven't really looked in and, and priced things out. Uh, I, I expect that I'll be somewhere um, in that kind of straddle between you know the underdog price and the favorite price, um, given that I, I believe I had Boston lined around minus 180 against Washington, and I think that the Capitals and Islanders are fairly comparable teams in terms of their overall skill level. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that I'll be up around, you know, that minus 200 range. Um, and with that being said, I think, you know, it's likely that I'll be priced out of betting on the Bruins here and not necessarily ready to, to jump on the Islanders, given that they, they really got lucky against Pittsburgh, um, you know, getting great goaltending, despite the fact that they never really produced a whole lot offensively throughout the series. And they really got hemmed in their own zone at times. Um, you know, it'll be one of those things where you'll, you'll maybe have to wait for, for Boston to, to, you know, falter, uh, to get a, a reasonable price on betting the Bruins here. So, um, you know, that's, that's a ways away. I'm not really sure when exactly the second round or start. I think we could see things Sunday, get going Sunday. And I guess we'll, we'll wait and see. A digital gambler, a digital gambler. If I can get through that up on Twitter. All right, bud. Thanks for the time. We'll talk next week. Okay. Take care. Good luck. Yep. You got it. Andy McNeil again. We also have a lot of contributions from Andy up on the website, Beeson.com. All right, we do have breaking news in Major League Baseball. Let's save it for the next hour real quick. You know, we'll get to that on top of the next hour. The New York Mets just cannot catch a break when it comes to these injuries. We've got an update there. But they do, they were hoping to come back and Noah Syndergaard. That's next when we come back on the numbers game.
puts Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.